Acts 1, 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, commencing at verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he blessed them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would speak to each of our hearts and our minds now. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, I've only been away one week, but it feels like longer. It's lovely to be back. Colin was saying at the beginning that we've reached the end of our post-Easter series. We've been travelling through the last 40 days, following um, a book and in our home groups as well. Some of our home groups have been looking at the resurrection appearances that happened over those 40 days between Easter and Ascension. It's always a period of different times of year because Easter is always different, but Ascension Day is always on a Thursday, 40 days after Easter Day. And so over the last few weeks, we've looked at those moments when Jesus appeared to his disciples. We started with Mary at the tomb. 
We travelled on the road to Emmaus with Cleopas and his companion. We travelled with Thomas through his journey of doubt, of questioning, of wanting to see for himself in that moment of understanding that Jesus was his Lord. We spent time with the disciples and Peter by the sea, trying to catch fish again, not succeeding, and then Jesus meeting with them and cooking them breakfast and reinstating Peter. Our explorers group this morning are going through that story. They were really, um, the leaders were taken by that passage. And this morning they're actually going to um, the Turner's house at Warners Hollow. And they're going to be spending some time down at the river, possibly in a boat as well, and then um, cooking fish fingers over a fire. So they are really bringing that passage to life this morning. So uh, you might want to ask them when they come back in if they've had fun. Hopefully they'll bring us a fish finger as well. Yes. And then last week, where I wasn't here, um, David spoke about the Great Commission. I haven't managed to hear David, it wasn't on the web, so there may be a little bit of overlap, because it's that idea of sending out. So my apologies if there's a bit of overlap this morning. But we reach this final time that Jesus had with his friends, those final moments where he was physically with them on earth. Endings are important When we're moving on to new things, it's important to mark the ending of one thing before moving on to the new thing. And Jesus knew that he wasn't going to continue with his disciples on earth in physical form. That was for a period of time, but it needed to come to an end because Jesus' place was in glory with his Father where he reigns alive, arisen and king over all the earth. And for the disciples, they needed to know that this period of time, this unusual 40 days, was coming to an end. Because over those 40 days, Jesus wasn't with them continually. He came when they weren't expecting him. And they needed to know that that wasn't going to carry on. There needed to be an end point for them. Otherwise, they would have spent the time thinking, will we see Jesus today? Will we see him next week? And so this ascension moment was really important to them and for the rest of our salvation story. We needed to know that Jesus' physical time on earth came to an end and he joined his father in glory. Now, the word ascension implies that he went up and as a child I imagined this sort of perspex lift that Jesus climbed into and and moved up into heaven. I don't know whether it happened like that or not. It talks about going up. But it also talks about Jesus being hidden in a cloud, hid from their sight in a cloud. And throughout the Old Testament, the symbol of a cloud represented God's presence. So however it happened, what we do know is that Jesus departed from them physically on earth to be in God's presence. And we know that he continues to be in God's presence now and reigns there The time leading up to this moment of ascension is the time when Jesus spent sharing with his friends his final words. Again, you choose your words carefully. If you know you've not got much more to say, you haven't got much more time, you choose what you say carefully. And if you want to open up your Bibles and Acts um, on page 1092, we can look at what some of those final words actually were. This is before the ascension. He's spending time with them and he says in in, um, Acts 1 verse 4, Do not leave Jerusalem, 
But wait for the gift my father promised. Wait for the gift my father promised. It's not an ending, and Colin said that at the beginning. It seems like an ending. It seems as if the ministry of Jesus has come to an end when he leaves. But it's not. Because Jesus' ministry is going to continue through his disciples and then on through us. And Jesus knows that that's what the role for the disciples will be. But they mustn't move on in their own strength. You can imagine Peter champing at the bit to get on with the next thing. Tell me, Lord, what do you want me to do next? And Jesus says, wait. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait until you are fully equipped to carry on my ministry. It is not their work. It is Jesus' work. And it's Jesus' ministry that they will continue. And they need to be empowered through the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. We cannot do Jesus' work in our own strength. We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can be equipped to do what he calls us to do. Next Sunday, a week today, is Pentecost. And we're going to find out much more about the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We're actually going to look at Paul. We'll look at the day of Pentecost, but also look at Paul, a man whose life was completely transformed through meeting the risen Christ, through being filled with the Holy Spirit, and that transformation of life and what that led him to. A real example of what being equipped and empowered through the Holy Spirit can lead to. So we're not going to look at that too much today. But Jesus said to them, wait, because you need this infilling, this indwelling, this empowering, equipping of the Holy Spirit to continue on what I'm calling you to do. The disciples then ask him about timing. And they realise that he's, you know, things are coming towards an end. And so they ask again um, in verse Six, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And they're still thinking along the wrong tracks. They're still not fully understanding what God's kingdom is all about. They still think that God's kingdom being restored, established, means that the Romans will be kicked out and they will be able to be in charge of their own land. And even though they've spent all this time with Jesus, they still haven't quite got it. And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the time. The Lord knows when that will happen. And again, Jesus is speaking about a different kingdom. He's speaking about God's kingdom, which lasts for eternity. God's kingdom, which began to be established on earth through the power of Jesus, through his death and his resurrection. God's kingdom began in a new way on earth, but isn't completed until the day when Jesus returns and the whole of creation is renewed and there is a new heaven and a new earth. And that is the time we don't know when that will happen. So we wait, continuing to wait, in the in-between, knowing that God's kingdom has begun, but waiting for its completion. And as we wait, we wait through the power of the Holy Spirit, continuing to do Jesus' ministry here on earth. And again, in verse 8, he talks about the Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples may have thought this was an ending. 
They may have thought that this, all that they've known with Jesus was coming to an end, but these words show them quite definitely that is not the case. You will be my witnesses. You will testify to the fact that I've risen from the dead. Forty days of evidence of knowing that Jesus is alive and reigns equips them and gives them the authority to speak and say, we know that Jesus is alive. And they have to continue to do that. You'll be witness to the fact that I am king, I am lord, I am reigning in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus' physical ministry, ceasing in this form, but continuing on through his disciples and then on through his church. How incredible he uses us, his church, to continue the ministry that he established on earth. If you've been reading the 40 Days book, it says here in the final chapters that the 40 Days of Resurrection appearances have led to a stunning conclusion. The Jesus who had been crucified and lain dead in a tomb for three days had come back to life. The testimony of the New Testament letters and the book of Revelation as well as nearly 2,000 years of subsequent Christian history, is that Jesus remains alive today. That is the ministry. That is what God calls us to do, to be witness to the fact that Jesus is alive today. And we are part of that. The disciples are waiting to be filled and equipped by the Holy Spirit to do just that. And they have to begin in Jerusalem. They've got to begin at home. Amongst the people that they've lived with. Amongst the Jews who are struggling to understand the truth and reality of Jesus. But then, and this is the amazing thing for them, they have to take it out to Judea and to Samaria. No longer is the message just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles as well. This is the radical new ministry, the, the, the word, the witness, the knowledge and truth of who Jesus is, is going out beyond the Jewish community, out to the Gentiles and to the ends of the earth. This isn't an ending. This is a beginning. And the book of Acts is the first chapter of that continuing journey that we are part of. The book of Acts is written by Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And the Gospel, he writes about what Jesus did on earth. And it continues on into the book of Acts, like a sequel in some ways, where Jesus' ministry continues on through the early church. And the book of Acts doesn't end, because we are then part of that same story. We too are called to be witnesses to the fact that Jesus is alive today, and that he reigns in heaven. And we too are called to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We'll be equipped and empowered through the Holy Spirit to do that, but our calling is to be witnesses to the fact that Jesus is alive. At the APCM, I talked about one of the the mottos that we've had as a church knowing Jesus and making him known. And it's really as simple as that. The ongoing ministry of God's people on earth is to know Jesus 
and to make him known. And it doesn't get much easier than that, does it? To know Jesus and to make him known. So we continue on in the ministry established by those early disciples and the early church to witness to the fact that Jesus is alive, to witness to the fact that he transforms our lives. We can speak of how he has changed who we are and made us his children and continues to work through us, transforming us, moulding us, making us the people that God has created us to be. We witness to God's saving grace, to his love and his mercy. And we do that in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. What does that bit mean for us? Where is Jesus calling us to witness to his transforming love and power and the reality that he is alive and reigns today? If we think of it a little bit like concentric circles, the disciples were in Jerusalem. That's where they belonged. And we belong in our homes, in our families, with our friends. And so we witness there. Not necessarily speaking. We can witness to the love of Jesus by being his child. It may involve speaking. But actually, as we become more and more God's children, that love should be flowing through us and out to those around us. And that begins at home. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? Because actually, sometimes at home, people get the worst of us. We don't feel we have to actually try too hard. But witnessing to the the amazing work that Jesus has done in my life begins at home. Am I a witness to what Jesus has done in my home, in my family, and amongst my friends? That's where it begins. The next circle out, Judea and Samaria. Where are those places where we belong and we go to? It might be amongst our neighbours, the communities where we live, our workplace, if we go to school, our towns. Just think of the numbers of people around you. Do you know the names of all your neighbours? Last year at New Wine, one of the speakers, Jay Pathak, challenged us on that. And he had been doing a lot of work in his church about just spending time getting to know neighbours. And he gave people a little chart with eight boxes representing your eight neighbours. And he said, do you know their names? Do you know anything about them other than they might drive a red car? Do you know what their hopes and ambitions are? Do you know what's going on in their lives? Witnessing to Jesus begins with getting to know people. And we can't be a witness if we don't know people. So that's a challenge. What does it mean for us to be witnesses to the transforming work of Jesus in our communities, to our neighbours, it might begin with getting to know them. By actually spending time with them, learning who they are, coming alongside them. What does that mean for us as a church? We don't all live in Wanish, and in many ways that doesn't matter, because we go out to the places where we are. But as a church, we are based in Wanish. How can we get to know the village? I want to give you one way in which we might be able to do that. 
We've been invited to join in the village fates this year. Rather than different people doing fates on their own, we've got one fate that all the village organisations are going to be part of. What a tremendous opportunity for us as a church to say we're part of Wonish. We want to be part of this village and all that is going on. And there's two things, really simple things, that they've asked us to do. One is if anybody would like to help serve tea. Could we offer to help with that? And the second is, is anybody able to run a sideshow under the theme of all the fun of the fair? It might be collecting some tins of beans, taking off the labels, piling them up and having some softballs to throw piled on a table. It's meant to be simple games that adults and children alike might do. And I've said, yes, we can do that. I hope we can. There's a sign up on the back of the, the door. If you're able to do something on the 13th of July to share in the life of our village, sign up and we can be in touch with you and start putting that together. It's a really simple thing. But it's actually really significant because it's saying we belong here. We want to be part of what is going on here and we want to get to know people. And rather than us trying to create lots of ways of doing that, there's something on our doorstep that we can go and say, yes, we're going to share and join with everybody else in our village in doing that. Are there simple ways in your street that you could begin to get to know people? Our communities, our workplaces, our schools. It needn't be difficult. But just being there and belonging is a start. So we've got our homes and our families, we've got our local communities and to the ends of the earth. That seems a greater challenge but sometimes actually it's easier to think well we'll concentrate on the ends of the earth because I don't actually need to go to the ends of the earth. Keeps it a little less personal doesn't it? But if you were to stop and think about the contacts you have around the world perhaps through work, perhaps you travel, perhaps you know of people living around the world, how could we get more involved with our mission partners, learning more about them, really travelling with them. We're not necessarily there ourselves, but they are. And we can support them. And we can share that journey that they can learn from us and we can learn from them. And we can, as a church, have an impact to the ends of the earth. Ascension is not an ending, it's a beginning And it's a beginning for each one of us to join in God's work, to join in Jesus' ministry, to follow where the Spirit leads us. And we need to have discernment and wisdom in knowing what that is. I've been quite challenged this week thinking about what to say. Because in some ways we do want to wrap things up, but I'm also conscious that we're on the edge of new things as a church. And I find some of the words here comforting for me. We're facing some big decisions. Hopefully you'll be aware that we are thinking that the right thing to do is to buy a property in order to be able to take on a new member of staff. That seems a huge thing for me. I'll be really honest, that's probably one of the scariest things I've thought about. Because is it the right thing? It's not the process of buying a property. It's discerning, is this the right thing? And my sense is that we have to move forward on this and we'll be having a gift day on the 22nd of June. Between now and then, I would love it if each one of us could pray about our response to that. Because we want to do what is right by God. 
And it seems as if he's saying, yes, this is the way forward. So pray. Pray about your response. Pray about what God is saying to you. By next Sunday, we'll have some leaflets to be able to take home, pledge forms that you'll be able to fill in. But Jesus first said, wait, don't just rush off. We've got time to come to God and say, show me what you would have me do. And then we will see on that gift day what God is saying. We still need to pray for discernment because we want to take on a full-time member of staff. We want it to be the right person. We want it to be God's person. So again, we need to trust in God to show us the way forward. So we're on the edge of new things. The edge of new beginnings. Not endings, but new beginnings. But we can see that God equips and empowers us and shows us the way. Because what we want to do as a church is to know Jesus. Each and every one of us deepening our relationship with Jesus, knowing that he is alive, knowing that he is alive in our lives, transforming us and shaping us. And we want others to know that too. That is our call. That is our vision. And we pray that God will put some detail onto that over the coming months. Because we need to understand what that looks like today in Wanish. Wait in Jerusalem for the gift my Father promised. Let us pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to equip us, to show us, to lead us forward, that many, many, many more will know that Jesus is alive and is their King. Amen. I was very challenged by Debbie's words about starting where we are. And, and I wonder if we, just before we move on, we should just take a moment to build that into our, our lives a moment. Why don't we each just sit quietly and think of some of the places we will, we'll be this week. Some of the people that we'll be in contact with, some of them we're looking forward to seeing, some we may hope to avoid. Maybe we just take a moment to to build the truth of knowing Jesus and actually taking the risk of making him known. To just think through your week. As you know it, it may be entirely different in reality. And just bring those places and people to God in a moment of quietness now. <laughs> 